2,000 years ago, on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus preached the greatest sermon ever preached. Now, over the years, we have known it as the Sermon on the Mount. And, and, and what the sermon basically was, it was Jesus' kingdom manifesto. A manifesto where he declares, this is who my people are. They are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the meek, those who show mercy, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted because of the life that they live and the Lord that they love. A manifesto where Jesus declares that this is the impact and influence my people will have. They are the salt of the earth. They are the light of the world. A manifesto where he says, this is how my people will live, distinct and different from the world around them and the religious leaders over them. Understand, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is like, hey, I know that the world and I know that the religious leaders have many ideas and opinions about anger, rage, bitterness, lust, adultery, divorce, telling the truth, keeping your word, how to behave when someone hurts you, how to see your enemies, how to view money and material possessions. But I say to you, in my kingdom, we see things differently and we do things differently. Amen? And listen, it's the way that we do things differently that enables us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. No doubt about it, the greatest sermon ever preached. And talk about being relevant and practical. I mean, these are real issues that come against you and I every single day. And this morning, as we continue unpacking this kingdom manifesto, we're going to see that when it comes to the matter of worry and anxiety, we who follow Jesus, who live in his kingdom, are called to see and do things differently than those in the world. The text is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I'm calling the conversation, stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. I love dot, dot, dot. And when I say dot, 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 I want you to think about what you're worrying about. Jesus says, stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. Stop worrying, you fill in the blank. I understand, worry's a thief. A thief who steals your, your thoughts, your peace, your joy, your confidence, and your courage. Now, for many years, a, a, a woman couldn't sleep at night because she was terrified that someone would break into her home. It was just this uneasy thought that dominated her mind night and day. Well, one night, her husband hears a, a noise downstairs, and he goes downstairs, and he finds that someone had broken into the house. And so the husband says to him, hey, could you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been waiting for you for 10 years. <laughs> Point, a thief can steal from you once, but worry can steal years and decades from your life. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever struggled with worry before. Okay, so uh, you're not alone, right? We're all in this struggle together. All right, let's do this. Stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. And the way I want to attack this conversation is by unpacking two statements, the problem of worry and the way out of worry. 
Before we dive into it, though, I, I, I want to be clear about two things. Number one, I, I realize that this conversation has limits. Like, I, I know that one Sunday morning conversation is not going to solve all the issues that you and I face in regards to worry and anxiety. I mean, perhaps for some in this room, worry has been the, the issue that you've been facing for years. And what is needed is for you maybe to go see a doctor or a, or a counselor. And listen, there's no shame in doing that. And doing so does not make you a second-class Christian. In fact, it makes you a wise Christian. I, I've gone to counsel before, so I'm, I'm a wise Christian, right? <laughs> and you could be wise too. So it has limits. But nevertheless, even with that being said, I still believe that because we're sharing truths from God's Word, which is alive and active, because it's God's desire for his children not to be worried or anxious about anything, I still believe that something supernatural, powerful, and life-changing can happen in regards to worry. Amen? Now, beginning in Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, therefore, and right, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask the question, what is it therefore, right? It's referring back, right? Therefore, since, as we talked about last week, therefore, God is your master, not money and stuff. Uh, therefore, since you are storing up treasures not on earth but in heaven, uh, therefore, since you have a good eye, you have proper vision and see, your pers- and see money and possessions in a proper perspective that it all belongs to God and it is to be used accordingly. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your, your life. And that covers about everything, right? Don't worry about your life. Not just don't worry about your bills or about your kids or about your health or about your marriage or about your relationships. He says, don't worry about your life. Jesus is like, okay, let's get it all out there. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than, someone say, is not life more than, food, and the body more than clothes. Question, is your life not worth more than whatever it is that you're currently worried about? Jesus continues, look at the birds of the air. God is always trying to get us to look at other things than ourselves and our worry. To get us to, to look up so that we can have some new and better perspective. He says, look at the birds of the air. And you know what? He probably pointed, right? He's outside. He probably said, hey, hey, look at the birds of the air. Uh, They don't sow or or reap or soar away in barns. And yet, your heavenly father feeds them. And now notice he didn't say their heavenly father, right? You know, uh, God is their creator, right? He's not their father. He's our father. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Are you saying, look at them, they're everywhere. They don't labor or spend. Which I think that's what worry does, Right? It just spins us around and around and around and around. We don't really get anywhere. 
except really, really dizzy and a little nauseous. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Which were legitimate needs for the people sitting there, right? I mean, they, they legitimately worried about where they're going to eat, where they're going to have food, right? I mean, you know, they didn't have contracts. They worked one day at a time and got paid at the end of the day. And hopefully the next day they had work and got paid at the end of that day. For the pagans, those who, don't know, who do not know God, Run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he's like, hey, why are you worrying about stuff that your heavenly Father knows about and is already working out for you? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May God bless the reading of his word. And before we go into some serious unpacking, it's time to, let's take two, welcome those around you, then I'll pray us back in our time of study. So get up, welcome those around you. Amen. I'm going to pray us back in. Heavenly Father, it's so good to, so good to be in your house, to, to hear your, your people chattering about. God, thank you for this time that we can worship you. Thank you for your word that is living and active. And God, uh, worry is something all of us have dealt with sometime. In our lives, God, maybe some right now are just almost consumed by it. God, I, I pray for open hearts and minds. I pray you enable me to speak your words in a way that brings you honor and brings people to your foot at your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, the problem of worry. And again, Worry is something that everybody who's ever walked on this planet has had to deal with. And, and to really understand what the Bible teaches about worry, it's helpful to know a little bit about the Greek word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6. It's the Greek word marinao. It appears six times in our text and 13 other times in the New Testament. Like when Jesus speaks to Martha in Luke chapter 10, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. It's the word Paul uses when he speaks to the Christians in Corinth, and he says, I want you to be without care. It's the word that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 4 when he says, do not be anxious, marinao, about anything. It's the word that Peter uses in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, the Greek word marinao is usually translated worry, care, or anxiety. 
And given that, I, I, I want to tell you a little bit about that word. It's a compound word, which means it's just two Greek words stuck together. And when you see what these Greek words mean, you'll get a picture of what the Bible's talking about when it talks about worry. Okay, I think I have a slide for this. Mernao, merizo, means to divide, to separate, to cut into pieces, to tear apart. And noose, mind, so worry is to divide, to separate, to tear apart the mind. Which is really a great picture and description of worry. Worry is when your mind is divided and torn apart between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. It takes your mind in two different directions. And you know, I believe that what Jesus said about worry on the Sermon on the Mount may speak louder today than it's ever spoken before. Let me explain. Uh, 40 million Americans suffer from some form of anxiety disorder. That's 18% of the adult population. That is the population of Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and Maryland put together. In 2015, Boston University reported that anxiety has surpassed all other disorders in our country, including depression. Recently, a World Health Survey was taken of 14 countries and found that Americans were the most anxious people in all of those 14 countries. And that we have more clinically significant levels of anxiety than people living in Nigeria and Lebanon. If you know anything about those countries, you know that they're trouble spots. What that tells us is that Americans are the undisputed champ of anxiety and worry. I mean, if anxiety and worry was an Olympic game, Olympic event, we would bring home the gold every single year. Now, I did an informal survey on Facebook this week asking people, what are some things that people are worried about today? Here are some of the responses. People are worried about their health, about their finances, about their children, about their relationships. They're worried about our country. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about the direction the world is headed. They're worried about marriage after divorce. They're worried about raising children in an ever-worsening and divisive culture. They're worried about job security. They're worried about war. They're worried about the woke and cancel culture. They're worried about the government taking more and more control of their lives. They're worried about the church bowing to the wisdom of the age. And they're worried about loved ones who are not saved. Yes, worry is real. And it's out there, and its waves are ever increasing. Where is the problem? For at least five reasons. It's unhealthy, it's unproductive, it's unbecoming, it's unbelief, and it's unlawful. Let's drill down on these things for a moment. Worry is unhealthy. Worry often produces such unhealthy things as nervousness, fear, irritability, sleeplessness, and just a general sense of feeling overwhelmed. It can cause disturbing and destructive thoughts. It can cause irritation and anger and annoyances. It can make you feel moody, terrified, panicked, lonely, sad, and depressed. And worry can have physical symptoms like aches, pains, stiffness, breathing difficulties, chest pains, concentration problems, digestive issues, insomnia, low energy, forgetfulness, circulation problems, hormone imbalance, hyper. Hyper, hypertension, migraines, weight gain, weight loss, body odor. <laughs> oh, I must be worried. No, kidding. 
Hair loss, ringing in the ears, increased sensitivity to sound and smell, and it could even leave a bad taste in your mouth. And so you start thinking through these things, it's like one of those commercials where like 90% of the side effects are, are bad. Like it's just one thing after another connected to it. And so it's a challenge all of us have to deal with. The U.S. Center for Disease Control says that about half of the deaths that take place before age 65 are related to stressful lifestyles. The Harvest Business Review says anywhere from 60 to 90% of medical visits are stress and worry related. 2,000 years ago on the grassy hillside, Jesus said, stop worrying about dot, 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 because it's unhealthy and because it's unproductive. I like how Jesus put it. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other, in other words, what good has worry ever done for you? Is it ever taking somewhere good or productive? Honestly, Jesus' point is that worrying won't change anything. I mean, think for a minute about some of the things we're worried about. Politics. Who by worrying can change the outcome of an election? Finances, who by worrying can put another dollar in their wallet? Relationships, who by worrying can change another person? Physical health, who by worrying has made themselves healthier? Actually, it's not true to say that worrying won't change anything. It will. It'll make things worse. Again, it causes health problems, marriage problems. It will adversely affect your family, your relationships. That's why Jesus says, stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. It's unproductive. I understand, worry is like spinning around in a circle. A lot of movement, but you haven't gone anywhere. And now you're just dizzy and disoriented, not able to do anything. Uh, Dr. Joseph Galway did some research, and he found that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. And of the 15% that does happen, 79% of the people found that they were able to handle it. And the others found that, hey, it taught me some valuable lessons. So he concluded that 97% of what we worry about is just a fearful mind punishing us with exaggerations and misconceptions. Worry is so unproductive. Now I heard about a guy who, after hearing a sermon like this, went up to his pastor afterwards and he said, Pastor, it's not true that, that worry doesn't work. Because everything I worried about has never happened. He got the point, but he, he missed the point. And if you need help later, someone will help you. <laughs> Corey Ten Boom, who hid Jews from the Nazis and was later in a concentration camp, said this, so powerful. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its, of its strength. Worry's a problem. It's Unhealthy, it's unproductive, and it's unbecoming. The word unbecoming is an adjective. It means not flattering, not fitting, not appropriate, unseemly. Anybody heard of something called the UCMJ? Yeah. Yeah. Uniform Code of Military Justice? Any officers in the room? Past or present? Okay. Article 133. It's talking about conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman, right? And, and what that is is that 
Any, any conduct by an officer that brings, that brings disgrace to himself and that dishonors the military profession is conduct unbecoming. Brothers and sisters, worry is conduct unbecoming a child of God. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run all these and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Now, now, it makes sense for those who don't know God to be anxious and to run after these things. I mean, when people believe that they're just trying to hang on in an inexplicable universe with no design, no plan, no God, it, it makes sense when people believe they're nothing more than random chance, when they don't know why they're here or where they're going, to worry. That has to be scary. However, for a Jesus follower, to run around, run around the exact same way, to have the same kind of worries, is unbecoming. It's not fitting. It's not appropriate. It's unseemly. Because it's saying to our Father who art in the heavens, who feeds the birds, clothes the grass of the fields, who holds the universe in his hands, I do not trust you to take care of me. And not only that, but are spinning and spinning around in worry, says to a watching world that our God is either not real or not great because he can't really help us or not good because he doesn't care what we're facing because our lives are just as fearful and worry-filled as their lives are. And they watch that like, okay, they're just as afraid as we are. They're just as scared as we are. Their God must not be real. I'm sure you've heard this before. It said the robin to the sparrow. I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Understand, worry is unbecoming. for a child of the maker of heaven and earth. And it so undervalues our value to God. How valuable, how valuable are you to God? It was not with silver or gold that he redeemed you, right? First Peter 1, 18, 19, but with the precious blood of Jesus. You know, I have five children. I never once seen them worry whether or not they're going to have food to eat or a place to sleep. Now, granted, part of that is because we live in the freest, most prosperous country that's ever existed. But nevertheless, they trusted me to provide those needs. And you know, when they, when they see me toss some food into my dog's dishes, they don't think, wow, I sure hope we get to eat today. He fed the dogs. I wonder if he's going to feed me. Paper Grove today, 2026, Jesus is saying, stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. It's unhealthy, it's unproductive, it's unbecoming, and it's unbelief. And, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that even Solomon, all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how, someone say, if that is how, God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? 
you of little faith. And that word for little faith, it's one word. It's the same word used in Matthew 8, verse 24, when Jesus is asleep in the boat, the storm comes. They wake him up, freaking out. Save us! He says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? It's the same word used when Peter's walking on the water and he sees the wind and waves and he begins to sink and he cries out, save me! And Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's the same word used in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, when the disciples could not cast a demon out of a boy. And he said, why couldn't we drive it out? Because you have so little faith. See, worry is unbelief. It's unbelief in the character of God in the face of evidence to trust him. Twice in our text, Jesus uses what is known as the argument of the lesser to the greater. Jesus says, hey, if I take care of the birds of the air and the grass of the fields, which are both much less valuable than you are, the crown of my creation, made in my image, then you can be sure that I'll take care of you. Like, do we really think that God would take care of his pets and not care for his people? Again, worrying is questioning the very character of God in the face of evidence to trust him. Worry, as a guy named R.H. Mount said, is practical atheism. And it's an affront to God. A guy named George Mueller, who started orphanage in England in the 1800s, said, gave love and support to over 10,000 children, said the beginning of worry is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of worry. Understand, brothers and sisters, surely a God who is the maker of heaven and earth deserves more than a little faith. Surely a God who's over all things, before all things, and hold all things together, and for whom nothing is impossible deserves more than a little faith. Surely a covenant-keeping God whose promises are, are in Jesus are yes and amen deserves more than a little faith. Surely a sacrificing God that did not spare his own son deserves more than a little faith. Surely an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who's loved us fully and completely in Jesus deserves more than a little faith. So I say let's trust him more. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4, I hate allergies, by the way. Uh, let me just get real for a minute. Like, I didn't get them until I came to this state. And when people are complaining about their eyes itching, I go, so your eyes itch. My eyes are itching. <laughs> it's like, it's a big deal. Like, my eyes, are, my eyes are just itching. You just rub them. I used to have no sympathy until I, I had allergies. I'm like, gosh. Okay. Anyhow, sidebar. Good word right here. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, Stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. It's unhealthy, it's unproductive, it's unbecoming, it's unbelief, and it's unlawful. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> now, those three words, do not worry, are an imperative, which means it's a command. So, if Jesus asks us not to do something, but we go ahead and do it anyway, anybody know what that's called? Sin. Have you ever thought about worrying as a sin? Uh, this week, I picked up a, a book on my Kindle app called Respectful Sins. Respectful sins. The author Jerry Bridges writes in the preface, and I always read the preface. Don't skip the preface, right? He says, the motivation for this book stems from a growing conviction that those of us whom I call conservative evangelicals may have become so preoccupied with the major sins of society around us that we lost sight of the need to deal with our own, more refined and subtle sins. On the whole, we appear to be more concerned about the sins of society than the sins of the saints. In fact, we often indulge in what I call the respectable or even acceptable sins without any sense that they are sin. Some of the respectful sins he covers in the book are anger, envy, jealousy, pride, gossip, slander, discontentment, selfishness, lack of self-control, and anxiety. Question, do you think that Jesus' followers tend to view worry as a respectful sin? I think we do. Even if we don't think it's a sin at all. Like, for example, we have one reaction to someone comes up to us and say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling with pornography. And another, they tell you, hey, I'm really struggling with worry, right? John Wesley said, I can no more worry than I could swear and curse. I mean, imagine if someone were to drop the F-bomb in this room today. Like, everyone's blood pressure would go up. Well, then if someone says, you know what, I've been worrying about this all week. You mean you've been sinning for seven days in a row, right? Oh, you're worried. Okay, you're, it's okay. you're worried. At least you're not sinning. It's unlawful to sin. It's unbecoming. It dishonors God. It's unbelief. It says that God's not trustworthy and will not do what he says. And with all sins, what should we do? We should confess and repent, right? I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. I'm talking about worry. God, I'm worried. It's wrong. It's a sin. It's a sin I'm not trusting you. I repent. Help me not to worry. Now, I think it's important to point out that concern is okay. Worry's not. In Philippians 2, 20, Paul writes, for I talk about Timothy. I have no one like him. He, he's generally concerned about your welfare. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says he was concerned about the churches. See, concern is fact-based, geared towards problem-solving and action. Worry is fear-based, problem-exaggerating, and leads to inaction. And, and here, here's some ways you can, if you're, we're, we're good worry or good concern, gone wrong. Good worry, gone wrong. Here's some clues, right? Uh, good worry, gone wrong. Driven by fear and what if. And marked by constant distraction. It's all you can think about and over-exaggeration. Marked by diminished trust. Uh, too much time spent living in and fretting over the future and produces inaction and paralyzes us. That's good worry gone bad. Bottom line, you don't need to be worried about being concerned. You need to be concerned about being worried. It's unhealthy, unproductive, unbecoming, unbelief, unlawful. 
And it steals and devours like a roaring lion. Your thoughts, your peace, your joy, your courage, your confidence, your trust, your faith, and at times your witness. And hey, before you get, start getting too worried about your worrying, there really is a way out. There's a way out of worry. And, and, and to see this way out, to map it out, get our triptych for the way out of worry, I want to use Matthew 6 and two other passages. One is this one here. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Yeah, even your situation right now. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And here's the deal. See, the path out of worry takes you to the place where you will experience the peace of God. That transcends all understanding. Now, every Jesus follower has peace with God. And we receive that peace when we wave the right flag and surrender to Jesus in faith, confession, repentance, and baptism. Yeah, every Jesus follower has the peace with God, but not every Jesus follower has the peace of God. Not every Jesus follower has that transcendent, tranquil feeling of calm courage and confidence. You know, that sense of peace in the middle of life's storms that enables you to say, yeah, Everything is tough, but everything's going to be okay. God is still on his throne, and he's still the master of the universe. Now, there are six steps the way I worry. As I like to do sometimes is I made an acrostic, right? Help us remember it. And, and, and these six steps form around this, these two words. Stop it. Stop it. All right? Turn to three people and say, stop it. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. All right. So it took me a long time to make this work. <laughs> but I made it work. Not too much stretching, but I made it work. All right, the S stands for seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first. Now, the Greek word used there is not like first as in the list, God's number one, family's number two. It's rather let God in his kingdom determine everything else in your life. Seeking God's kingdom is about stirring up treasures in heaven, like we talked about last week. Seeking God's kingdom first, seeking God first, is about hunger and thirsting to live a, a life that's distinct and different from the world. It's, it's pursuing a personal, practical, progressive holiness. Seeking first God's kingdom is, is about being devoted to the same things the early church was devoted to. It's about being devoted to being in the Word, being devoted to crying out to God, being devoted to the fellowship of the church as demonstrated by attending regularly, serving passionately, giving generously, and living togetherly. It's about being devoted to the, the mission. Like Jesus, we seek the lost, we make disciples, and we show compassion. It's about always, like Courtney shared, taking that next step in our journey, right? Decision Sunday, what's your next step? Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to join this church. Maybe it's to start serving. But when you seek God's kingdom first, you're always looking, hey, what's my next step to grow 
closer to God and more to the person God wants him to be? What's my next step to help his church be everything that God intends for her to be? The way to worry is to stop it. The T stands for turn immediately to God and ask for help. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, like we get the, with thanksgiving, like we get to actually cry out to the one who can do something about it, right? Who has all power. Present your request to God. God says, don't be anxious, pray. Don't do this, but do this. The word translate pray could also be translated as worship. So don't worry, worship. Listen, worry and worship cannot coexist in the heart and mind of a person at the same time. So the ways of wind and worry start to crash against your life, your heart and mind, turn immediately to God and ask for help. Why? Because as Peter says, God cares about you. Why? Because God does not want you to be anxious about anything. Why? Because when we do, God promises that he will guard your heart and mind. When you see that word guard, think of SEAL Team 6, right? Think, think of SEAL Team 6 stationed around your heart and mind. And every thought has to go past them. A thought comes in and they say, hey, who are you? And what's your intent? What's your purpose in wanting to get into Steve's mind? Guards, seize that thought, right? It can't get in there, right? Turn immediately to God because the God who simply said, let there be light, and it was so, who created everything, who breathes out stars, feeds the birds, clothes the grass of the field, is not only great enough, but he has demonstrated his goodness enough for you to rest on and trust in him. Amen? When you're tempted to worry, worship. When you're feeling overburdened, bow. Turn immediately to God and ask for help. Not as a last resort, but as a first response to worry. Make turning to God a conditioned response, right? Star survival bank, we stand up, right? I always say, hey, yellow light, I hit the gas, right? You know, it's a conditioned response. You go, oh, I'm starting to worry. It must be time for me to worship. It must be time for me to pray. The enemy's not going to want you to worry that much anymore. I can't have him worrying because every time he worries, he goes to God. The way I don't worry is, stop it. Stop it, stop it. The O stands for, this one took a long time. Own those worries no more. <laughs> Own those worries no more. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You need to cast all that is trying to divide your mind and tear it apart on him. Now maybe when you hear the word cast, you think of fishing, right? That's not a good image. Because in fishing, what do you do? You cast it out and then you do what? You reel it back in, right? You don't want to do that with worry. You don't want to reel it back in. The word translated cast is used only one other time in Scripture. It's when Jesus' guys came back with a donkey and they took their coats and they put their coats on top of the donkey so Jesus could ride on them. So I think this word cast, a better translation, is to transfer or to place upon. It's like you have this heavy weight that you're carrying or maybe this weight is not heavy, but you've been carrying it for so long, and it's, it's draining you, it's sapping your strength, and you place it on Jesus. You own those worries no more. A world approach is to say, hey, you just got to let it go. But you know better, right? You can't just let it go because it's got to go somewhere. 
So God says, and I'm convinced that he's saying this to someone in this room right now or online, don't just let it go. Give it to me. Let me carry it for you. Cast your worries on me. Own those worries no more because I care about you. Some of you need to stop reeling it in and in and in and leave it with the one who cares for you. He'll carry it for you. The way to worry is to stop it. The P stands for ponder things that are true and good. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you want the peace of God, don't meditate on the mess, on the problem, on the worry. Instead, meditate, ponder on things that are good and true. Like I said many times, right, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, right? You already got the skill set. All it is, meditation, is focused thinking. It's filling your thoughts with whatever is true, noble, bright, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. One of the best things to meditate on is Scripture, right? Here, here, a few. You know these, right? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good. Not all things are good, but he works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One of my favorites. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, so you, you meditate on scripture, find some of those, or, or you meditate on positive thoughts. I actually found an app this week, um, and this app is called MindShift. It's not a game. <laughs> it's called MindShift, and, like, and one thing it has these things called coping cards, right? It's right on here. Like, do I have general worry? Is it social anxiety? Is it perfection? Is it panic? Is it phobias? And, and it has these things you can read. Positive thoughts. Like, one was, I don't have to believe everything I think. Okay, that's good, that's good. Don't assume the worst. It usually doesn't happen. <laughs> when my mind goes to the future, I'll bring it back to the present. I don't know what other people are thinking, so I need to stop guessing, Right? It's called MindShift, a free app. You put it on there, and you, again, you're filling your mind with positive thoughts, Scripture. Or maybe you, you, you think about all the good things that God has done in your life. Wait, I'm worried is to stop it. The I stands for initiate positive action. See, when, when our enemy, the Roaring Lion, unleashes the ways of worry against your life and mine, he has a very clear objective. He wants to paralyze us. Keep us spinning around and around in circles to trap us, to consume us in our worry. He wants our worry to both define and to disable us. But God says through Paul, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, understand when it comes to worry, movement and doing something, doing what you know is both powerful and freeing. We see it all over Scripture. Moses I, I know, Moses, I know that you're worried about going back to Egypt, but pick up your staff and get going. I'll be with you. 
Uh, Joshua, I know you're worried about conquering the promised land, but get moving. I'm fixing the park, the water. Gideon, I know you're worried about the enemies and worried about that you're not good enough, that you don't have what it takes, but get out of that wine press. There's something I need you to do. Elijah, I know you're worried about King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, but it's time for you to get out of that cave of depression because I'm not done with you yet. Esther, I know that you're worried about walking into the king's presence because it could mean your death. But Esther, I put you here for such a time as this. So open the door and start walking down the hallway. See, the way out of worry and out of peace of God, you need to start doing what you know. Love somebody. Help somebody. Serve somebody. Encourage somebody. Forgive somebody. Pray for somebody. Be there for somebody. Share your faith. Give that gift. Read that word. Go to church. Turn on that praise music. Stop doing, excuse me, stop stewing and start doing what you know is good and right. Go out of worry is to stop it. The T stands for take it always, one day at a time. Someone has said that you're only cooking up trouble when you stew about tomorrow. And that's true, right? As Scorey Timmons said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties the day of its strength. Now, Jesus acknowledges, right? So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. He says, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's going to be trouble today that you have to carry. So why try to carry the trouble for today and overload your plate with the trouble that's happening tomorrow? I like what a guy named Paul Powell says. He says, there are only two days of the week we must learn to never worry about. Just two. One is yesterday and the other is tomorrow. Yesterday is past and gone forever. Tomorrow has not yet arrived. And is as far beyond our control as yesterday is. That leaves only today for us to live and struggle through. Anyone can fight the battle of today. Any woman can carry the burdens of one day. Any man can resist temptation of one day. And that's true, right? One day at a time. And as someone has said, better not trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. If you only make your trouble double trouble when you do. <laughs> better not trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. If you only make your trouble double trouble when you do. And that's true. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In 1974, I remember 1974. I was one. No. Plus 13. And a song came out that year. It's since been recorded by 200 different artists. And it's called One Day at a Time. Here's some of the words. Guys talking to Jesus. It's like a Christian country song. I think Willie Nelson sang it and Merle Haggard. What a name, right? Do you remember when you walked among men? Well, Jesus, you know if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. Pushing and shoving around in my mind. For my sake, teach me to take it one day at a time. And then the chorus was, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking for you. 
Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way, one day at a time. And Jesus said, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Yeah, the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, so very relevant, so very practical, so very needed, so very powerful, and so very alive and active today, 2,000 years later. Again, Maple Grove worry is a real problem. It's unhealthy, unproductive, unbecoming, unbelief, and unlawful. And it steals and devours your thoughts, your peace, your joy, your courage, your confidence, your trust, your faith, and at times your witness. And the way out is to stop it! Stop it! <laughs> and I think I have the... And, and here, here's the deal. Right there. Boom. Stop it. And you can just ask yourself, right? You're worrying. Go, hey, start with S. Hey, am I really seeking God's kingdom first? Because he promises, right? Raise your hand if you think God's a liar. Anybody? Okay. He says, if you seek my kingdom first, I'll provide all these things. So are you, right? You, Gosh, I'm not. I need to start. Or you go, well, I turned immediately everything else. I didn't even turn to God, right? You know, I, I, I reel back in those worries. I'm not thinking things. That, I mean, you can go down this list and say, am I doing these things? And if we do these things, right, these are all scripture. We do these things. We will find our way out of worry and experience the peace of God that transcends all our standing, right? Because sometimes the storm's still there. Sometimes the problems are still there. But guess what? You have this peace because God is now guarding your heart and mind. And so I challenge you this week, you begin to worry. And I love to hear someone say, you know what, Steve? You know what? Some of you, you know why you're always worried? Because you're not seeking God first. (laughs) Get used to it. (laughs) It's not going away. You never turn to him. You turn to other things. Turn to people, turn to TV, turn to food, turn to drink, turn to whatever. You don't turn to him. And you're not thinking good thoughts. You know, the battle begins in our mind. You're just doing and not doing. Just start doing something. And one day at a time. And then you'll have that peace of God that and then when the world sees us, they'll say, man, this world's screwed up and crazy. Why are you at peace? Because in this chaotic world where everybody's freaking out about everything, the people have calm in the storm. People want to know, hey, what do you got? I'd like to have that too. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come into your presence, God. And God, some of the reasons this is so easy for me to put together is because I understand worry. Uh, More than once, I've allowed worry to depress me and to spin me around and paralyze me. But God, every day is a new day, and your word is true, and it's live and active, God. And I pray for myself and others in this room that we take you at your word. And we stop worrying. We start trusting. We start turning and seeking and pondering. God, we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.